Thanks for joining the Inspired Churches podcast. If this is your first time listening in, we're glad you're here. For more information about our church, visit www.inspiredchurches.com. Now, let's listen to the word from Pastor Philip Willen. Open up to Matthew chapter 5. So remember, Vision Sunday, next Sunday, we invite everybody in this room to be a part. Um, we would love to have you, just so we could share with you a little bit more about what our heart is for the city and uh, what our mission is um, here in Union City. So if you have your Bibles, we will go to Matthew chapter 5. I woke up this morning, I put this jacket on, and I said, Jamila, this is a little too cool for me, this jacket. And so uh, so let me know if it's too cool, then I won't wear it, you know, because I don't want to be that guy. She's like, nah, yeah, it's a little too cool for you, but I think you could pull it off. So thank you, Mom, I appreciate that. Um, when you plan a church, bring your mom with you because, uh, <laughs> yes, yes. So if you have your um, Bibles open to Matthew chapter 5, uh, we are going to start at verse 7, and we will go um, from 7 all the way down to verse 11. Uh, before we do that, I just want to uh, give you guys just a brief little uh, update where we're at. Last week, we began uh, a new sermon series um, entitled The Upside Down Kingdom. And if you've been liking some of our graphics lately, um, I have to say that there is a, a, a young man in here that's just been doing an amazing job. Um, Drew, where's Drew at? Drew's at over there. Yeah, they just had their baby. Uh, everybody, man, if you like, look, now don't be going to him asking him for graphics because, you know, it, it, don't be doing all that. But I'm just saying, like, I want to give props where props is due, man. Thank you so much. The artwork has been amazing, and um, I just love what, I just love how you make my sermon that much better. It comes alive. So anyway, love you, bro. Uh, but we started a new sermon series called The Upside Down Kingdom. And basically, so for the next several weeks, we are going to look at one of Jesus' most profound teachings in the entire New Testament, and that's the Sermon on the Mount. It's actually the longest uh, recorded uh, preaching teaching that Jesus spoke at one time. And the Sermon on the Mount starts in chapter 5 of Matthew and then ends in chapter 7 of Matthew. And so literally for this entire month and for next month, we're just going to go through it slowly and uh, prepare to be challenged. For those of you here that were last Sunday, you probably were, you're aware that this is a very challenging message. Um, not the easiest message to convey, but um, I believe that the, the next step for a lot of us is to enter into that place with God. Um, and so excited about it. Um, the reason why we decided to call this the Upside Down Kingdom um, is because the Sermon on the Mount um, is actually Jesus' way of turning upside down the world's ideas of power, performance, and position. And by turning that upside down, by doing this, he challenges his disciples to lead upside down lifestyles with the mission of turning everything right side up. Now last week we began with the first part of this two-part message on the Beatitudes. Um, and just kind of a little shameless plug, we do have an app. You can go online, and so if you miss the messages, you can go online to our website. You can download our app, and we've been trying to update our messages regularly. So if you want to catch up from last week, maybe you missed it um, during the week, during your downtime. You can podcast it while you're going to work, slip it in, put it in, and, um, and so you can get yourself caught up. So shameless plug there. But last week, we started off with the first four Beatitudes. Now, the word Beatitude simply means blessed. It means blessed. Um, and in this section of the Sermon of the Mount 
called the Beatitudes, there's a formula that we have to be aware of. So before I jump into the rest of the Beatitudes today, I just want you to make you, I want to make you aware of the formula. And the formula goes like this. Um, there are the people that are being described. Then there's a quality that is being commended. And then finally, a blessing that is promised. So as I read these Beatitudes, you will see that there's going to be a type of person being described. Then there's going to be a quality that that person carries. And then there's going to be a blessing. Um, and a, a com um, Jesus will commend them and bless them for carrying that quality. So there are eight total Beatitudes. And like I said, last week we covered the first four. This week we will cover the last four. So if you're ready, I'm ready. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 7, and we will read all the way to verse 11. And Jesus says this, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus goes into commentary about persecution. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So last week we discussed poverty, mourning, meekness, hungering and thirsting. And this morning, we will define mercy, purity, peacemaking, and persecution. If the first four dealt with our relationship as Christians towards God, these last four that I'll be speaking about this morning have more to do with our relationships towards one another. Buckle your seatbelts. Because when it comes to God, I think many of you will agree with me, it's a lot easier to get along with him than it is to get along with each other. In fact, many times as Christians, we falsely assume that we can be all good with God and all bad with each other. And as difficult as this morning's Beatitudes may seem, we have to remember that as followers of Christ, we died to ourselves. If you said yes to Jesus, you simultaneously said no to yourself. And because we are not our own, we don't have rights to hold grudges. And so as Christians, it's a difficult thing to become, but with the help of the Holy Spirit, amen, we can accomplish these things. So as you can imagine, I've been challenged personally at the core of, with these studies, so I know that everyone in here will be challenged along with me. My hope this morning is that you'll not only be challenged, um, but that these challenges of Jesus will not offend you, amen, but inspire you. You like that? I put that in my notes, not offend you, but inspire you to walk in greater. This says this blessed are the merciful Christians should be defined the pain, misery and distress that sin brings gift. Jesus Christ is the grace of God. He is the gift to human. But mercy is something a little different. I want you guys to see is a just God not bringing justice to you. Mercy is God taking care of what's there. Grace is God giving you sin, mercy existed. See, mercy holds the knife back from killing. Is familiar with these stories? I know some of you are like, oh, you probably never read these Bible stories, but mercy forgives. 
Mercy bandages up the wounds of a Samaritan. Mercy is knocking off a, a lead one of the greatest ministries this world has ever seen. You get that? Now you're going to be something different. People are going to look at you and say, well, wait a minute. Weren't you the guy that is him saying, I'm not going to give you a ticket. I'm going to have you come into heaven and live with me. Do you get that? But those who show mercy find mercy. Say that again. Lord hurt us all today in a very gentle way. Weakness last week. If meek is to acknowledge to others that we are sinners, then being just to be pure, but pure in hearts. Just like the phrase poor in. Are you with me? Listen to the words of later in Psalms 51, verse 6 and verse 10. Behold. You see, in Psalms 24, David warns God's people. Everyone will receive the blessing. The Hebrew word for clean in verse 24, unworthy motives towards other people. True piety. Disciplers and leaders from which all obedient actions flow. What does it mean to be inward? Inward means the motives. Remember Jesus in self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of so what truly is a pure heart and how ones who run from the tyranny of a divided self. The of sincerity is this. A pure in heart person is a person who strives to have their. We lose the next generation when we we display the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. You know what? Uh, I heard this analogy. I, I use it all the time. So you got to work hard. I'm going to say this. Your kids need to be up 10 points when they enter points. And even when they walk astray, they know and they look back at mom and dad. Get me wrong. There's drama. Oh, we ain't perfect. Sorry, mom and dad, right? We get in arguments. We yell. We with God, you're playing a game with your children. <laughs> and I might say something I shouldn't have said. Or, <laughs> you know, or I'm just going to, like, hit hard. I knew who they were. And they weren't perfect. Any stretch of the imagination. It's pure. Peacemaking becomes second nature. Because openness and sincere actively pursue peace. And we're called to strive for peace with all men. Now, in order to, the of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, to reconcile. It's done in Jesus. The peace that Jesus makes by his blood leads to reconcile to the Father. Without Christ, we are enemies of God. We hate reconciliation. This is, why, this is why it's not surprising that the makers, we look like Jesus. Amen? But like peace through pain, when we ourselves, when we are ourselves involved, say that again. Peace through pain. I want you guys to know peacemaking isn't just averting and true peace and true forgiveness are costly treasures. Last observation, you're not the one involved. Um, you may not be a part of the struggle peacemaker and so peacemaking is not only the costly concept of you reckons but they're slow to judge and take sides friend but i am going to listen with indifferent ears i am not going to take i am going peacemakers are careful to put off but they only desire reconciliation imagine a church 
intense as all these beatitudes are, because believe me, they are all intense. Go back and listen to last week. Here is the reality. Ready for the reality? I want you to remember this. However hard we may try to make Jesus goes from peacemaking to say, but although I want you to be a peacemaker, you will be persecuted for righteousness sake or on my account. Experiencing troubles and hardships because of their bad attitude, their bad decisions, their sin executes you. Blessed are you, not when you're being a punk. <laughs> shepherd comes to your life and sits down because in church we don't really plow around comfort. Let's just be comfortable. Don't tell me I'm not serving. I want to be comfortable. There's some things you're missing in your discipleship. You call that persecution. Jesus. You with me? You read through the Beatitudes, you're merciful, you're poor in spirit, right? Like you read all these, you're meek. Who would go to war with them? It's impossible. But remember, they crucified Jesus. Get ready as you pray and you move through these things, persecution will come. About We're concluding. I want you to hear this out. This is the kind of persecution. Hear this out. This is so, be careful. Get it. It was written by a man who was in Nazi Germany, who was going to go to Canada. No, you are called, right? Right? Behind and refusing to leave Germany because of the call of the gospel. Beatitude, the gulf is widened between the crowd and the disciple. You see, the Beatitudes and the people who display them, fundy accepted values and standards of this world. Inevitably, when it hated me first. If you belong to the world, not getting the world to love you and then love Jesus. A lot of Christianity. And wrongly assuming that it's far more important for have adopted compromise as their Christian witness. Well, in order to make sure that my friend alienated, I don't want them to feel bad. I'm going to compromise alongside of them so they don't feel too bad. When the upside down kingdom calls us to be a different people. Let me challenge you with three things regarding persecution. If you took your seatbelts off, this is a good time to put them back on. Number one, persecution is a token of genuineness. It's a certificate of Christian authenticity. Persecution is a token of genuineness, a certificate of Christian, Christian authenticity. You see, we get excited when persecution is not there. We should be woefully concerned if it's not there. Because it's quite possible that you're living more like the world. Possible. Possible. Just check yourself. Are you with me? Again, don't be persecution happy. <laughs> Being displaced and persecuted, slandered and rejected is as much a normal mark of Christian discipleship as being pure in heart, being meek, being poor in spirit, being merciful. Do you understand that? It's like, well, I could do all the other ones are regular Christian occurrences, but that last one, that's a special one. No, they are all mentioned in the same breath that this should be the mark of a disciple, just like a disciple should be merciful, just like a disciple should be a peacemaker. The disciple should at times experience persecution ask yourself am i experiencing that again last week i think i told you, if you're not a christian you know i put your earmuffs on you know this is uh, just come here and observe what we do but if you're a christian take your earmuffs off listen a little bit and be challenged to grow yeah 
finally, number three, and I said this, if we, we should not be surprised if anti-Christian hostility increases, but we should be surprised if it does not. Maybe the church just isn't the salt and light that it's been intended to be, which, by the way, is next week's message. I want to conclude with these quotes. Discipleship means allegiance to the suffering Christ. And it is therefore not all surprising that Christians should be called upon to suffer. Disciples are strangers in the world, unwelcome guests at times, and disturbers of the world's peace. No wonder the world rejects them. In finishing up the Beatitudes this morning, remember that Jesus congratulates those whom the world pities and the world rejects. As we finish the Beatitudes this morning, remember this. Jesus blesses and congratulates those who the world pities and who the world rejects. That is the upside-down kingdom. So foreign to what we're used to. The world says never surrender. Christ says surrender. The world says don't give up. Christ says the first thing you need to do is give up. Let me come in. The world says to get to the top, you got to step on some people along the way. And Jesus says if you want to go to the top, go lower. And then go lower. And then wash their feet. Because their feet are the dirtiest and the lowest part of their bodies. Are you with me? The world says, if you want your life, live it to the fullest. Jesus says, if you want your life, you have to die. See, success in the world is material gain. Success in the world is having a portfolio, being able to sit down with some of the most astute people and have these dialogues and conversations about how well you are and how well off you are and that's great and that's amazing and I think that's but the primary idea of success in the kingdom of God is reflected in Christ in the garden nevertheless not what I want but what you want do you understand that not what I want but what you want and that'll be a fight for all of us to the very time we die I'll fight that every day so this is on us all not what I want but what you want. Yeah, I, wanna, I want this, and I want that, but not what I want, but what you want. Not my will, but your will be done. Do you know that Christ was most successful when he was most obedient? And his obedience took him to the cross. But see, that's upside down. That's upside down. That, the world doesn't understand that, right? We are self-preservationalists, right? We do not want to die. We do not want our cross. We do not want to serve. It's no wonder why the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount challenge and confront everything that the world stands for. Imagine a church that looked like that. It would be, you know, here, I'm going to leave you with this. It would be a church persecuted, but it would also be a church where people would say, I love that place. Simultaneously. It'd be persecuted church, but it'd also be a church that probably some of those people that we've been trying to talk to, and we've been compromising to get their attention, if you just lived a, a, your life right, they'd probably be more willing to come to Jesus. Christ, okay, I'm done. <laughs>
Sometimes they get a little hard, right? These Beatitudes are going to be a little hard. I want to I pray, though, and I want to challenge you. I, you know, I don't want you, I want to send you to lunch on a low note, but I want to challenge you. This church, Inspired Church, teaches and preaches the whole counsel of God. The whole word. Um, some people say the Beatitudes are impossible, and I want to say they are impossible. There's only one man that lived them out perfectly. That was Jesus. But as Christians, we are called through the power of the Holy Spirit to set that as our life's goal, to be conformed to the image of Christ. It's our life's goal. Let's pray. Inspired Churches aims to be a church that the city loves. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Come back next week as Pastor Philip continues on the six-part series. For more information about how you can get involved or about our community, visit www.inspiredchurches.com.